This is the Horse Radio Network. I am Maggie Herlinski in Chillicothe, Ohio. And I am Audrey Sears in Fillmore, New York. And you are listening to the monthly side saddle episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 5th, episode 2966. This episode is brought to you by McAllister Saddlery and the American Side Saddle Association. This episode is a special side saddle episode of Horses in the Morning every first Tuesday of the month. Good morning, horse world. Today we have special guests Ruth Regal and Sue Duncan. We'll be talking about gated horses, what is an apron, which is our side saddle word of the day, and where in the world is Maggie? McAllister Saddlery specializes in repairing and restoring all styles of side saddles. Our craftspeople will work with you and your budget to get your saddle back in service so you can get back to enjoying your ride. We also buy and sell side saddles in nearly any condition. Contact us on Facebook or at McAllisterSaddlery at gmail.com. Our first guest this morning is Ruth Regal from Illinois. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Maggie. What got you into side saddle? Well, it's an interesting, twisty little tale, but I moved to Texas from Illinois in 1983 because my husband at the time was going to go to school at Texas A&M, and I was in my 20s, and I went to a horse show there. I'd always wanted a horse, and I was thinking about getting one, and I went to a little local show and saw these two women riding around on these amazing-looking horses. And they were side saddle, and the horses were Peruvian horses, and I'd never seen them. But they didn't move. They were just gliding around the ring, and their heads never bounced or anything, and I was enthralled. And so I bought a horse uh, for my 30th birthday in November of 86, and um, immediately almost saw a flyer for a side saddle clinic put on by the Texas ladies aside. And I went to my first side saddle clinic in March of 87 and joined the Texas Ladies Aside. I had bought a Tennessee walking horse. And um, so I was riding her at the clinic. And then I got put on some Peruvians. And I've had a Peruvian horse pretty much ever since. (laughs) Oh. And I've been with the Texas Ladies Aside ever since, too, although we're sort of in abeyance, I guess you could say, for the time being, we've had so many people uh, have serious surgeries or lose a horse or, you know, the things that happen as we get older. And so we haven't done any public performing lately. So public performing, um, tell us a little bit about that. What were you doing? Um, The Texas Ladies Aside somehow managed to get themselves declared by the Texas legislature as the official equestrian drill team of Texas, which is kind of amusing because there are a lot of drill teams in Texas and mostly, you know, the younger kids with the galloping horses and quarter horses and stars and stripey things. But uh, we were these mostly older women on these elegant horses no one had ever heard of, but somehow we got that pushed through. And so we got invited to a lot of events and a lot of parades. And we probably did 10 or 12 parades a year, and ultimately we were invited to Peru to perform for the president at the time. Uh, That was in 1994. And we took our saddles with us and were lent horses to ride. 
and um, had about a week or 10 days to train them to side saddle and train them to do our drill. And so we got to perform three days at the national show, which was a huge thrill for all. Big deal. And um, we were invited to the Calgary Stampede in 2000 to participate in the um, what they called Equidance, which was a small invitational drill competition. But we didn't fare too well against the flashier galloping horses, but we did get a lot of good compliments. And that was a lot of fun to go to the Calgary Stampede. Oh, um, I bet. Oh, yeah. We've, we've managed to do some wonderful things. We went to Equitana in 1996 and performed at the main event, which was another thrill, as you can imagine. So, yeah, being, being in the Texas Ladies Aside, which I just sort of fell into because of where I ended up in Texas, um, has been a life-changing thing for me. I'm very grateful to side saddle and <laughs> horses for that. So what would be your biggest accomplishment riding side saddle then if you got to, you know, perform for the president and go to Peru and Calgary and all that? Those were pretty fun and and um huge, I guess you could say, but we also got to go to the Pasadena Tournament of Roses parade twice. And for a lot of people that's that you know, who like to parade, that's a dream. And uh, so I think that might have been one of the highlights of my life with the TLA, Texas Ladies Aside, I should say. Um, it's just the friends I made and the the um, things I learned and all the, oh, I don't know, the camaraderie of the group was, was just so important to my life. Yeah. You got to ride with another group once, didn't you? I believe I may have. <laughs> I did ride with uh, a woman named Maggie Herlinski. <laughs> invited me to ride with um, uh, the American Side Saddle Association. Uh, and I've been in the Derby Parade, Kentucky Derby Parade. And then we were lucky enough to get chosen for the Obama Inaugural Parade in 2009. And that was pretty amazing. Cold. But amazing. Yeah, everybody says, oh, that's so cool. I'm like, yeah, it was cool. It was 17 degrees. <laughs> it was three when I left Charleston. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We I drove was, through a was, blizzard in, in West yeah, Virginia. I remember that very well. <laughs> it <sighs> was, um, but it was, I always say it was a week of high stress uh, topped off with five minutes of pure joy, you know, when we went past the reviewing stand. It was such an amazing thing to do. It really was. So I'll always be grateful to the American Side Saddle Association for that opportunity. They have some pretty cool opportunities. Yes, but I want to know more about the Peruvian Paso, uh, the, the Peruvian horses. I, I mean, yeah, I'm... We, we yeah, we the word Paso from the name quite a few years ago because so many people get Peruvian horses confused with Paso Finos. That would be me. I just did that. I'll fess up <laughs> to it. It's, they look kind of very similar. They're Spanish breeds and, um, you know, descended from Iberian horses. But they came over, oh, gosh, 400, 500 years ago now, but went to two different areas of the New World. Peruvian horses went to Peru with uh, uh, the, con- the conquistadors and were pretty much bred in isolation for 400 years. 
Fossofinos were more widely scattered around the coastal regions of South America and places like Costa Rica and the islands there. And they were sort of more outbred, you know, still bred to be gated horses, but they weren't as tightly inbred as Peruvians were. So Peruvians have a very unique gait. And one thing they were selected for is that winging out of their front legs. You can sometimes see that on some Andalusians and other Iberian horses, but uh, Peruvians selected for it, and some Peruvians have really um, extravagant, what they call terminal, where the front legs just go flying from side to side. Um, and they have a very long reach in the rear. So um, they're, a, they're, well, we like to say they're the smoothest gated, gated horse there is. I'm not going to argue that. I've ridden probably eight different gated breeds, and I'd say Peruvians are definitely a good one is the smoothest horse ever. So that makes it so uniquely suited to um, side saddle riding because you don't bounce. You know, you sit up there in your beautiful costume, and if you've got a, a horse that can really move and a side saddle that really fits, you don't have any cares in the world. You just sit up there and wave to the crowd and enjoy life. It's just a wonderful feeling. So yeah. riding side saddle, is there any, you just said that they were they were pretty isolated um, as far as their breeding. Is side saddle part of their history? Did, it it you is, know? in fact. Um, it's a very, has been until very recently, a very parochial country. Um, the men do most of the training, most of the riding, all of the showing pretty much in Peru. And what uh, riding women did, they wanted them to be on side saddles. And when we were in there in the show in uh, 94, I remember there were three Peruvian women who were trying to ride at the show in a certain class. And they had put on white, traditionally Peruvians wear white to show, and they had white dresses and sashes and proper hats and the whole thing. They were they looked wonderful, really elegant, but they were riding aside. And they were not allowed to go into the show. And they were being pretty argumentative for Peruvian women. And finally, they were disqualified because the rules say that you must be wearing spurs. And they only had one spur apiece. Huh. <laughs> So we thought that was just awful, and we invited Nitpicky. them to ride with us after our uh, after our exhibition every day. So we'd ride mm. around the the whole huge, huge showgrounds with them in front of us, just to give a little solidarity to their. Yeah. How do their like, Peruvian saddles vary from American side saddles? Peruvian side saddles are generally, I would compare them to our plantation saddles the old ones that did not have a leaping head. Um, that's a very recent innovation. If you've seen a Peruvian side saddle with a leaping head, um, a friend of mine who was in the Texas Ladies Aside, in fact, uh, had a um, saddle company, and she got some of the Peruvians down there to study a Champion and Wilton uh, tree and try to replicate it with mixed success. Some are pretty good and some are not. Um, but... Uh, Traditional Peruvian saddles, if you find antiques, yeah, I see them sometimes. I've got a couple. 
um, they're built for very small horses. They're not going to fit modern Peruvians and certainly most modern quarter horse, you know, warm blood types. They're just way too small. Yeah. So tell us about the rest of the traditional Peruvian tack. Oh, <laughs> well. Because we, we, we're, we're both looking at a picture of a Peruvian horse and we're like, what is all that stuff? <laughs> it was pretty off-putting for me, too. I was not a fan of all that stuff, but um, I've learned to enjoy riding in it. Um, it's got um, its origins in the fact that Peruvian horses were used, much like Tennessee walking horses were used here, for riding around all day long, checking out plantations and crops, and they were used you know, as basic transportation, too. Um, I think the, 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 what they call hobble straps or retroncas that go around the, the back of the horse's hocks, that's what people always ask about. I've read so many different um, explanations as to where those came from, and it's really just a remnant of Spanish um, elaborate tack, I guess you could say, you know, show, show-off type tack. There's, there's no use for them except for um, attractiveness or... Yeah, to sit or, and look pretty. Yeah. But um, the, the saddle itself is kind of Spanishy. You know, it's just uh, basically a rawhide tree with as much um, carved tooling and covered, covered um, leather-coveredness <laughs> as, as you can... Uh, desire. I mean, they come in basic, just a tree to a really covered with silver and carved saddles for show. But the really cool thing about Peruvian tack that I've always loved is the headgear. It's, it's made of up to 32 strands of braided uh, goat rawhide, ideally. And hmm. it's this beautiful um, woven uh, elaborate covered with silver or nickel silver halter separate than a bridle and then um, something called tapa ojos, which go over the eyes, supposedly in the show, they're worn sort of up on the forehead of the horse. Um, and then the, the reins are attached to a romal that's wrapped around the seat. So, you know, it's, it's a big elaborate deal to tack up a Peruvian horse. And I'm always amazed at the trainers who just fling it on and in two minutes their horse is saddled and bridled. It takes me a bit longer with mine. But um, there is one uh, different thing for side saddle because, you know, the women folks have got to be taken care of. You've got to have a halter with your your bridle. You can't show um, side saddle, or technically you can't. Uh, without having a halter on under the bridle because, you know, you have to be able to have somebody leap out and catch your runaway horse for you. But there are special um, uh, side saddle bridles called Marimachos, which have a built-in little halter attachment. And so those are very special and hard-to-find items. That's oh. kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is cool. What does that sound <laughs> I was like, I want a special side saddle yeah. bridle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sure looked hard for one, and now I have a couple, but um, they are hard to come by. 
I believe it. Yeah. But that still sounds really cool. <laughs> oh, they are. I, I, you know, that's when I've shown lately, um, I've, I've deliberately shown side saddle even in the regular classes just because I like that bridle so much. <laughs> <laughs> and you can ride any. I mean, in the Texas ladies aside, we used mostly English side saddles. We did not use Peruvian side saddles because, remember, this was, late 80s, 90s, and they didn't even start trying to make decent Peruvian side saddles until the mid-90s, and then it was very hit or miss. So we used Western side saddles, we used English side saddles, and uh, one or two women used Peruvian side saddles. But um, in our experience, the Texas ladies aside, that is, we gave a clinic, a side saddle clinic, every March for 20, 25 years at least, and we noticed that some of the women who used um, Peruvian side saddles, even the modern ones, their horses had some issues with soreness because they're just not, were not balanced right. Mm. I think there are some better ones now. I own a modern Peruvian side saddle, but I wouldn't take, take my horse out in it for, you know, more than an hour or two. I just not certain that it's balanced as well as it could be. What's your favorite side saddle? Oh, <laughs> an Owen, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I moved to Alaska in the late 80s, and um, I had just joined the Texas Ladies Society and just learned about side saddle, and I was so gung-ho, and I'd bought a rebuilt saddle from uh, a woman out, out east and loved it. And then I found the little Western one in Alaska, and I was so excited. And then I saw an ad in the paper uh, in the Anchorage Times and went and answered it. And the woman said, oh, I got this in Michigan years ago. I've been trying to sell it for ages, and I, I don't ride anymore. I'm, it's just collecting dust. I want $400 for it. She says, and the maker is when? And I said, Oh, because <laughs> I, I knew a little at the time about the, the big name side saddles. And I it was just that the O wasn't clearly stamped and all she saw was the W-E-N. But I looked at it and it was an immaculate, beautiful 1930s Owen. And, you know, I had a moral dilemma. <laughs> do I tell her what it was worth even then? Or do I ask, give her what she's asking and not dick her? And that's what I did. And I sort of justified it to myself. But it, I bought it for way under what it was worth. The way I look at it is if you paid what they asked, there you go. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't say, oh, will you take 200 for it? I, uh, I gave her the money and said, thank you. And it came with the original everything, original balance strap and girth and stirrup and leather and that saddle has been everything to me i used that everywhere i went i didn't take it to peru i was afraid of losing it i took my little cruddy western one i bought in alaska but it was also a very good little saddle but (laughs) i have um been lucky enough to acquire a few more side saddles and i really nothing compares to that Owen for fitting lots of horses and for fitting lots of people. It's a shade too big for me. I'm not very tall. But um, it's, it's been the most comfortable saddle I've ever used. 
So, so I'm going to back up just a little bit. You had talked about, um, the ladies wearing all white. Um, today's side saddle word of the day is apron. And do, do they have anything like that for Peruvian classes? Is there any traditional garment to be worn? Uh, anything like that? A safety uh, apron or a safety skirt? No. No, it's there are no safety skirts really in Spanish tradition, actually. Um if you if you even look at Spanish and Portuguese side saddle riders, they're wearing skirts. They're not wearing aprons. I had a costume made from a Spanish maker for my uh, Spanish horse, a PRE I have, and um, I sent him the apron pattern, you know, from uh, suitability, and he's never seen anything like it. And he made me one, but and he I told him to copy it and you know use it, but. They were astounded. They'd never even heard of such a thing. And this was in Spain. So, no. Um, and, in fact, the Texas ladies decided at first we tried to make all our costumes Spanish-y or Peruvian-y, and that means white. But white and horses, as you know, is a really bad combination. <laughs> so, we, you know, we were doing three things. We were promoting um, uh, Peruvians. We were pro- promoting side saddle, and we were promoting Texas. So we did a lot of Texasy stuff, cowboy hats and, you know, boots and so on and so forth. Um, so I still don't ride much with an apron. <laughs> you know, I've just got used to wearing a skirt and I have a couple, but I confess I mostly ride in skirts. And, and you said you've got a, a PRE also? I do. She's leased out at the moment to someone who's trying to make baby PRE. Oh, so is yeah, it gotta, is it a big change to go from a gated horse to a non-gated horse? Yes, for me it is. Um, I I came to riding latish. You know, I was thirty and started riding on a walking horse and then Peruvian, and I decided I needed to quote unquote learn to ride, and got this PRE from a friend and. I found that, yeah, I learned some things about balance and so on, but I didn't enjoy it as much um, bouncing around. So I've, I'm pretty, pretty much going to stick to um, gated horses from here on out. Um, and a lot of people who have back problems find they can ride again on a horse like a Peruvian or even a walking horse or foxtrotter. They just Yeah, I, I appreciate my gated standard bread more every year. Oh yeah. It's I mean, I'm sixty five now and well I No, feel you are not. <laughs> I have I have come to the realization that I am never gonna be a cross country event jumper, so gosh darn it, I'll just stick to what I know the best and ride my Peruvians. And I've been breeding lately, so I've got that on the mind. Really. No, I've seen your baby pictures. Ugh. <laughs> they're adorable. Oh, they're a lot of fun, but boy, they're a lot of work. But I'm enjoying that, that aspect. I'm going to do that a couple more years, and then I'd get, like to get back to riding more and doing um, parades and exhibitions if possible, doing some more okay. clinics. I used to enjoy doing clinics. Um, 
But well, we'll have to get one scheduled for your neck of the woods. Well, you have one scheduled for my neck of the woods. That's I'm right, Tuscola. That's not that far from you. That's thirty miles. Yeah. Really? I didn't realize it was that close. Well, you got to come and visit. Oh, I will. I'll come. All right. For sure. Well, Ruth, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. The American Side Saddle Association was formed in 2008 to preserve, promote, and expand the elegance and historical art of riding side saddle. The American Side Saddle Association wishes to promote enthusiasm for side saddle riding among the equestrian public. The American Side Saddle Association is a network of over 20 regional side saddle clubs located throughout the nation. The association supports all forms of riding and rider safety. We honor the women who came before us, but are all in also inclusive of all people throughout society. We hold regular clinics and participate in parades and demonstrations around the United States. Find us on Facebook or AmericanSideSaddleAssociation.com. Our next guest is Sue Duncan from Jamestown, Tennessee. How are you doing, Sue? We're doing great. Get started off today. We were talking about gated horses, and I hear that you have Tennessee walkers. I do Tennessee walking horses and racking horses. And uh, so you you got to tell me the difference because a racking horse to me <laughs> is a Tennessee walker. So. Well, they're a little bit different. They're registered differently. They're two different associations. Uh, one is out of the Alabama area, Alabama Rocking Horses, and then Association. Uh, and then there's uh, the Tennessee Walking Horses. And Walking Horses, of course, were um, the basis for Rocking Horses. But Rocking Horses are a little stiffer in their head movement. They don't bob their head as much. Their feet are more straight up and down in front than doing a lot of reaching. Um, a lot of times they're a lot faster in their um, in their gait, in like a, a four-footed gait. Not a canter, but a, a, a four-footed um, running walk. Okay. Or that running helps. rack, I should say. So what got you into Tennessee walking horses and racking horses? I uh, was a park ranger at Big South Fork, and um, I'm retired from there now. Big South Fork National River and Recreation Area is in Kentucky and in Tennessee. But at the park at that time, uh, we had gated horses. And uh, one of the maintenance workers, who's a good friend of mine, um, was allowing those of us that wanted to learn on horses. I didn't grow up with horses. Um, so we got together and I got to ride the park horses and learn on the park horses. And after a while, uh, Wally, his, his name, Wally Linder, uh, said that um, you need to have your own horse. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't have any place to keep it, you know, and what am I going to do? Um, and he says, oh, we can take care of that. You can keep it at, you know, at my place. So before I knew it, it was coming up um, towards Christmas time in December. And uh, he said, we're we're going to go look at a horse. And I said, Okay, and so we drove out to um, a farm nearby, and uh, a friend of his had a um, horse who was a mare, and she wasn't quite two years old yet. She was like 22 months old, and she was green broke. She, uh, you know, barely knew to ride, uh, 
And um, I figured, well, this ought to be interesting since she's green broke and I'm green broke too. So <laughs> we we learned together. And I still have that mare. Her name is Janie Night Tracker, and she has done everything. And she's 28 years old now. So um, well, we've kind of learned together and uh, have really bonded. That's fantastic. So when what did got you, you start in- riding her side saddle? Oops, yeah. sorry. Well. Um, I was trying to do a lot of different things with the horse that I had seen. You know, you see movies and you see, you know, people out riding, you see people in the arenas showing, and I really love the forgotten arts, and I'd always heard about side saddle, and I found an old catalog uh, side saddle without a leaping horn on it, and um, I wanted to learn on that, and I went to an event in Louisville called um, Equitana, and at that event, there was, at that time, um, the World Side Saddle Association, which eventually became the American Side Saddle Association, but they were doing a presentation, and I fell in love, and I started looking for all the proper things to learn how to ride side saddle. I bought a book on how to make costumes and aprons and, um, you know, different a pattern for aprons and started sewing costumes. And um, uh, one of the local side um, uh, tax stores here actually had um, a newer Pakistani um, side saddle which I bought that, and it did have a leafy horn, so I started riding aside, going to local shows, and started doing parades and demonstrations, and that's kind of how it evolved. That's fantastic. Um, so, Tennessee Walking Horses, do they have a history with side saddle? Like, is it part of their breed? Is there anything significant about it? Can you use any side saddle or do they have a specific, you know, side saddle for their running walks and everything? History behind um, people in the South riding or ladies in the South riding aside. Um, is seen in a lot of photographs, both um, like show photographs and in historical photographs from the 1800s where there were women riding aside to deliver the mail or they were midwives and going to visit people in the mountains. And, and so there is... Um, a lot of references to uh, women riding aside, even delivering the mail in in this area, in, in Appalachia. Um, and just because of the area, the most popular horse in this area were gated horses or walking horses or even pacing horses. And you can look in some of the wills of some of the people from the area and they will say even that they were willing their um, gated horse and their side saddle to, you know, one of their heirs. Um, So um, gated horses were uh, prominent 
I'm not I I'm not as well versed with gated horses, so I find it fascinating and side saddle. When I think of side saddle, I think of two things. I think of running around in the back fox hunting in England and I think of antebellum type things, you know, big poofy dresses riding around on a racked horse or or a walking horse, something like that on plantations down in the south. That's that's what I think of. So And I think I you're right. I think the gated horses that was one of the reasons people had gated horses too, that those horses could go between rows of corn or rows of crops in a single file line without stepping on those those crops. And so people could go out to inspect their plantation easily um, without damaging, you know, the crop itself. And um, you're right. I've, I've seen the pictures of the antebellum um, clothing, um, big poofy dresses and all of that, too. And when I first started, I thought of those type of things and then later learned that it wasn't necessarily the big poofy dresses. It was, you know, more moderate-looking clothing that you wouldn't want to get you know, your big poofy dress all dirty, so you'd have a um, an outer apron that would cover up your big poofy dress, or what they call a jupe, I believe, um, J-U-P-E. And um, but it was used to cover up those those dresses while they would go, you know, to visit somebody or go to a party or whatever, and then have that as a covering, um, so that they didn't dirty their, you know, their nice clothes. That's that's amazing. <laughs> I'm a little awestruck. Um, so what's your biggest accomplishment riding side saddle? Well, my you... biggest accomplishment is being able to do that. Um, I've gone to uh, several major parades and getting the horse calm enough to be able to go into parades and still ride the side saddle and not come off. Um, there's been shows that have been a little touchy where the mare has gotten a little excited and gone straight up in the air. And um, I think it still amazes people that I haven't come off yet. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have come off a few times, uh, mostly because of spooks. And, um, you know, she gets spooked and the ground was very, very soft and her back end went down, and that dislodged me, and I came off on the opposite side. But I think being able to accomplish so much, I think one of the biggest things was being able to ride in the presidential parade in 2008, or mm. 2009, I guess that was, for um, President Obama. But that was just such an, an honor to be able to go do that and have a horse that could accomplish that and wasn't, you know, um, totally freaked out. Yeah, so, um, yeah we just talked to Ruth about that. And that's yeah, yeah. And she has a gated horse, also. She has, yeah. she was in front of us, in fact, in that yeah. parade. So um, yeah, I, I think we were all crying when we went past the reviewing stand. Oh yeah, yeah. It's oh, amazing! Such an awe-inspiring, you know, heartfelt. Um, experience and and, uh, and what most people don't the, i at least the rumor i heard was that the first family got to pick the first 20 units of the parade because sometimes their duties take them away from the parade before it's over uh, 
we were in that first 20. Yeah, yeah, we were. We were. Mm. And and the children were still there because yeah. it was so cold that time. I, I know that they had to be taken inside after so long. So, yeah, we were just, it was just such a amazing event. <laughs> I don't know if I'd do it again, but it was definitely a once-in-a-lifetime experience, I think. Yeah. Really was. So, what is the saddle you ride in now? Um, there's kind of, uh, you know, the regular Tennessee walking horses have kind of like a saddle seat type saddle. Is there a different type that you have to use for your gated well, horses for side saddle? I, I have um, several side saddles. I started off with one, but you know, they kind of uh, multiply and people end up going, oh, here's a side saddle. Take this one. <laughs> Which I do have a pile of those that are kept it, on they, It's like having lost kittens left in your barn. <laughs> yes, it is. Like but as for, um, I do have two pretty nice um, English side saddles. Of course, they have that cut back spot um, at the withers, which makes it, you know, fit the gated horse pretty well, so there's not a lot of bridging or anything like that. One of them is a Martin and Martin, and the other one's a Noud, which is very much like the Martin and Martin. It still has the garage door flap on the offside, and that springs up and stays in place, and which makes it easier for me once I get on to tighten up that saddle once I get on there to make sure I'm not sliding. And, um, I also have a steel that's a newer steel side saddle that's western built and it was taken from the steel tree and built by my local saddler. He took it and fit it to my horse's back and padded it and made it to fit her. And um, although it does still slide a little bit to the left, it has a wider seat and a wider horn on it or upright pommel and a leaping horn. But um, it fits her pretty well. And I bet McAllister Saddlery can fit that, fix that leftward slide. I Maybe that's a good idea. I didn't think about that. But that, that might be a good I, idea. I hear they're putting gel seats in steels that makes them nice and cushy uh, and levels the seat up a little bit more. Well, that might be the way to go. Mm. But uh, but that that saddle was made for me. It has my name on it. <laughs> the saddle oh, cool! Has my name on it. And it's it's kind of neat. It's never going anywhere. I don't I don't mm. think. And but you have I, a really uh, unusual saddle too, don't you? Exactly. And I actually have two of those. Um, the one in particular I use for historical reenactments, especially if we go to the Kentucky Horse Park and um, do demonstrations there during their breed show. Um, it has a rail around it, and it does have a leaping horn, uh, upright pommel, but it is um, or has been rebuilt completely, but it does have a black fringe around the edging, which is very, very unusual. And the rails were supposed to have been 
uh, found mostly in Tennessee, Kentucky, but more in the mountainous regions where, as I said, women went to deliver babies or deliver the mail or take books to the, you know, the people in the mountains. And so in the mountainous terrain, that extra rail helped them keep their balance a little bit better. And I have another one that's like that, but it doesn't have the leaping part on it, which probably could be added to that one, too. But they're beautiful saddles, and um, it's really neat to watch the fringe move as you're, you know, on a yeah. gated horse, and it swings back and forth. So Yeah. Marty Frittle just donated one to the American Side Saddle Association Library and Museum, and it's all original, and it has the original fringe. And, and does the that fringe have a leaping horn on it too. No, it doesn't, and yeah. it's marked, uh, I believe, Jerry Whitson. Wow, Cookville, yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, a lot of these. Um, actually, uh, there was a place not too far from me, maybe an hour away here in in uh, Tennessee, at Cookville, Tennessee, and there was a store there that was kind of a hardware store, but they did leather work. And they had a copyright for doing side saddles. Um, and a lot of times you'll see their mark on the, and I can't remember the name right now. Whitson and but, Barnes is the one that yeah. we have. Okay. And it'll say, you know, have that mark with Cooksville, Tennessee on it. And it's really interesting. I ran into a gentleman who, was part of that family, and he said, oh, wow. yeah, they, yeah, still had that that trademark, that um, that copyright on that side saddle. And I wish I could get back to you know finding where he's at. To, um, yeah, that'd be neat. I could find out more about that. But one of the the one saddle, the first one that I got that was had the fringe on it, had that mark on it from Cookful. So that was kind of neat. Um, but it's a, it is an interesting saddle, and people usually really um, love to look at that. I like to put it on display when we do demonstrations, too. All right. Well, Sue, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We appreciate you taking your time out this morning. McAllister Saddlery is a small family-owned business in Southern Ohio, specializing in repairing and restoring side saddles. In addition to this service, we can also custom-make three-fold leather girths, balance straps, and fleece or suede queen pads. Watch for our line of side saddle covers and carrying bags coming soon. So our interviewees already said our word of the day several times, and we kind of learned a little bit about different ones. Our word of the day is apron. So Maggie, what can you tell us about the apron? When was it invented? What is it? What does it look like? Well, the apron doesn't look like what you think of when you think of the word apron. <laughs> you think of something grandma wears in the kitchen, or you might think of what your farrier wears. Um, a side saddle apron looks like a skirt when you're sitting on the horse. When you're on the ground, it looks like you forgot half your skirt. <laughs> um, From the back a, only. Yeah, it was invented in the late 18, mid to late 1800s, but it really didn't catch on. Until the early 1900s. Um, and it's a, it looks like a skirt when you're sitting on the horse. But it just tucks in around the edges of your body. You're not sitting on it. Um, yeah. Most of us, when we're wearing an apron, you, th you take it off, throw it over the horse's neck, get on the horse, 
get settled on your side saddle, and then you put the apron on. And you tuck it around the edges and make it pretty. Um, likewise, when you get off, you take the thing off, throw it at your groom, and dismount. <laughs> um, but the the thought behind it is that there's not as much fabric to get tangled up if you should have an unintentional dismount. Um, also, it is so much easier to get on and off in an apron than in a full skirt. Mm-hmm. And you can get into some precarious positions while you're trying to get a full skirt arranged on your saddle. And if your horse should spook while you're trying to get settled, you can get in trouble. Um, I had also learned that the the side saddle apron was called the safety skirt because it, it was coined. That phrase was kind of coined in the early 1900s of being able to be a skirt that was safe. You couldn't fall off of it. It yeah. kind of appeared around the same time. Like a lot of those safety um, stirrup mechanisms appeared. Yeah. And a lot, of, there's a lot of variations to it. Um, our saddle seat aprons, we've been talking about gated horses um, for saddle seat. Our aprons tend to be a little fuller. So they catch the air a little bit more in a big moving horse. Um, a hunt seat apron would be less fabric, tidier, show a little bit more of your left boot. The right foot should never show under an apron. You should never show your right foot. We just pretend it's not even there. Um, a Western apron, there's probably a thousand different ideas on what a Western apron should look like. Some are very long, very full, very flowy there are others that are very short, workmanlike, um, but with all the decorations and bling that Western implies. Yeah. And then there are even chap-style aprons that, when you look at the rider from behind, it looks like she's wearing chaps. You can see her pants and the belt for the chaps, and the apron might be suede or leather or an ultra suede or some other material like that hmm. yeah i got to i i had the opportunity to wear a purple one from you at equifest oh Chap yeah style yeah they're they're pretty fun they're very awkward but pretty fun <laughs> yeah it's it, when you the first one you make when if you sew yourself the first one will always be wrong yeah you'll either make it for a for an offside rider um, or you'll have a couple of the pieces cut backwards because if you're a seamstress, you lay your pattern pieces out on your fabric and you flip, you might flip one over to make it fit better mm-hmm. for the fabric that you have because you're going to cut out two of everything. When a side saddle apron, you only cut out one of everything and the pattern pieces and the fabric all have to be right side up. Yep. Yep. Or yeah, you've made yourself it, an offside apron. Yeah, and it it doesn't look natural when it's laying down because it's it's a really awkward shape. You have like this big square piece, and then you have two more kind of like parallelograms. <laughs> if you remember <laughs> yeah. what those are, like yeah. they, they're just weird. And then there's squares, and then they all places. go together, and. They, the the square pieces hook towards the top of your big piece and that goes around your waist basically and covers you know covers your back end and your your offside thigh 
Um, and then that big, large piece, just it covers the rest of you and dangles down in front of the horse and everything. It, It's a definite different piece of garb. <laughs> and there's, I've seen so many different variations on how to keep it from blowing away if you're galloping. Mm-hmm. Everything from elastic near the bottom, elastic that goes from your knee around the heel of your boot, connects somewhere yeah. else. I've seen Velcro buttons. When I your- when I made when I made my first one, I had a lady tell me to sew washers and curtain weights in the bottom of it to help it from not billowing. So it has these weird little pockets for weights to be in it to help keep it down. Yeah, I like to just add an extra four or five inches of fabric to the bottom of the apron and yeah. fold it up and yep. sew it as a very heavy hem because mm-hmm. I, I just think it looks tidier. And the more times you iron the darn thing, <laughs> the shinier the spot where those washers are is going to get. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like doing that, but some people do just fine with it. Of course they probably dry clean it and have somebody else iron it. <laughs> um, and me for, to get it to stay down. I pin it to my pants. <laughs> <laughs> it was a safety pin. I just pin it to my pants. And most of us use Velcro, but some use buttons, the more traditional. But yeah. I, from what I understand, if you're using buttons, you just use a couple of stitches to hold the buttons on so that if you do come off, it'll mm. tear away. I use um, snaps. From the Amish oh, yeah. for shirts, that's what I do. Because then you can stitch the button to the other side of it. So it, it looks like there's a button on the outside. But yeah. then it just snaps together so it's a safety skirt. Yeah. So, that's a good yeah, that, yeah. I use that's Velcro I use. because I can get Velcro for enough to do three <laughs> aprons for 99 cents. Yeah, very true. But yeah, it's really for that safety measure. Because you don't want to get hung up in your skirt. I mean... And, you know, how many of us are 100% perfectly ready to go when they call your class? Yeah. (laughs) If you've got an apron, you can, you know, leap lightly into the saddle and put your apron on as you're going into the arena and you will be lovely. Yes, that is true. That is true. it's, It's a neat piece of equipment that. You can do all your schooling and everything, and then right before you walk into the arena, you just throw your apron on, and it just pulls the whole look together. Yeah, and the nice thing about an apron is, you know, some of us that might carry an extra pound or two, it is much harder to see that extra box of Oreos um, with the apron on. Yeah. So, Miss Maggie... Where are you going to be this coming month? You know, are you at home right now or are you going to be headed someplace else? Well, at the moment, I'm at home uh, frantically getting ready for two major events and two trips this month. Uh, When this show airs, we will have just done the 4th of July parade in Dublin, Ohio. Uh, We're doing new costumes for that this year. I'm I'm trying to go for like a Gibson girl, uh, maybe Mary Poppins look, but with a patriotic flair. That'd be fun. We'll see if this actually happens. (laughs) Uh, We have white blouses and lots of frou-frou stuff, so it'll be good. And we're home for a day. And then I was we leave. Say that's another perk of the apron. There's so many things oh, yeah. you can do with that. 
Yeah, I want to put ruffles around the bottom of the white aprons we used for Kentucky Derby, mm. where we did the jockeys with the white apron. I want to put like red, white, and blue ruffles around the bottom of the apron. That'd be cute. Yeah. And then we're home for a day, and we leave from uh, clinics in Vermont and Maine. Mm-hmm. So part of the planning for this trip is I have to figure out how to get our camper on the ferry to Grand Isle, which is in the middle of Lake Champlain, where we're teaching on Thursday night. That could be fun. Yeah, I got to check on that. Hopefully, we <laughs> don't have to drive all the way around the lake to come at it from the east. And from there, yeah. we go to uh, Monmouth, Maine, and I'll teach two days there. And then the man wants to go fishing. So we're going to see if we can charter a fishing boat and have some fun. Maybe catch enough. Catch If we get one fish from what they advertise, we'll be eaten for a month. So, <laughs> well, he will be. I don't like fish. Um, and then on the way home, we're stopping at uh, Kelly McCarty's barn in Schenectady and do a little bit of saddle fitting and some fun stuff there. And then we come home. I think we're home one day, maybe a day and a half. And we have to take everything out of the camper, put it in the horse trailer, <laughs> and go to Lexington for Briarfest. Mm-hmm. And that will be fun. You get to go with us on that trip. Yeah, that's the plan. And Last minute, but here I am. <laughs> and then I think I'm home for like a whole week. Yeah. Maybe even two weeks. And then I leave for uh, the clinic in Illinois that we talked about, Tuscola. And that's on a Saturday. And then on that Sunday, I'm outside of Madison, Wisconsin. And what's the name of that town? Oregon, Wisconsin. And then I think I got a few days off before our county fair starts. And the granddaughter is showing her horse side saddle at the county fair. So, yay. Good for her. Yeah. Get out, get out and do those local shows side saddle. Yeah, it'll be fun. They have an open show, so I'm going to do the old lady's walk trot. <laughs> on who? Fern the Wonder Horse? I think I'm going to try Wyatt this year. Hmm. I mean, all this talk about gated horses, I'm going to get him out. Yeah, that might be fun. Yeah. And this episode has been brought to you by McAllister Saddlery. Find us on Facebook. Or message us at McAllisterSalary at gmail.com and American Side Saddle Association. And find us on Facebook. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Thanks to our sponsors, McAllister Salary and American Side Saddle Association. Semper Obliquo! That's Latin for always sideways. Mm-hmm.